0: You're listening to another entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast, the voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now onto the show.
1: Welcome to Business in Heels podcast, the podcast that inspires and educates women in business globally to succeed. Now over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross.
2: And welcome to another episode of Business in Heels podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, brand and podcast strategist. Now, today is another exciting show, which is part two of a very special two-part series where we are speaking... Contributing authors for the book Raw, which is Business and Heals' exciting new project that they've launched. Now, as I mentioned, this is part two, where we continue to hear from some of the authors as they share a little bit more about their personal stories and, of course, what they contributed. So, just let me remind you about what Raw is. Raw is real stories from nine resilient women, and a snippet about the book, just to provide you with a bit of context. The world doesn't owe us perfection and nor does it owe us eternal youth. That's not just how it works. And here are a few other things that the world doesn't owe us. Shame, guilt, ridicule, poverty, horror, impotence, violence, fear. Nonetheless, it seems that we get an unhealthy dose of those sometimes too. But mostly it's not a case of if but rather when. And while you can surround yourself with positive and like-minded people to help you through, when it's all said and done, it's those lonely hours between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. And I'm sure we can all relate to this when we often find ourselves facing our demons. So let's welcome to today's show, Bernice Hookie, Dr. Caroline Taylor-Walker, Ludwina Dordovic, and Leanne Wyville. So let's start with you, Bernice. Let me just share a little bit about your story title, the chapter title, Grief is on a loss when you get lost in it. Now, you're an Aboriginal woman whose bloodline connection descends from the Wanyi, I hope I pronounced that correctly, Wanyi people in the lower Gulf of Carpentaria in Queensland and the Maruwari people in northern New South Wales and also from Irish and Chinese heritage. You're a mum of two boys, Aunt to 10, an eldest sibling of six in your immediate family, and many more through your extended family, through your cultural ties. So, Benice, I'm going to put you on the big screen so we can hear a little bit more about what uh, inspired you to share the chapter, which, as we mentioned, is grief is on a loss when you get lost in it. Benice.
3: Hello, Um, hi. Um, Firstly, I'd like to um, pay my respects to the traditional owners with the land I am speaking on today and um, past, present and emerging leaders. Um, now, could you just please repeat that question, Anne-Marie? I had to log in on <laughs> my phone because I am having trouble on my laptop.
2: <laughs> Technology, don't you just love that? Yeah, absolutely. So it's just asking you to share a little bit more on your chapter, what inspired you to share that. And, of course, grief is on a loss when you get lost in it. So just sharing a little bit more about your your chapter and what inspired you to share that.
3: sure yes what inspired me to um, write about grief is only a loss when you get lost in it is was leveraged off personal and um, professional experiences in my life where I had endured circumstances that I wish wouldn't wish upon my worst enemy but in saying that we need to be accountable for ourselves when we um, go through circumstances and the grief i talk about is leveraged off what i went through so it it opens a more broader perspective to what we deal with in our everyday life but how we can also come out of it stronger in the end when we don't sometimes realize how that strength um is instilled in us but owning it and um, being able to come through what grief. Grief can put you in a direction where you can just sit in the corner and and continue crying and bawling your eyes out. But it can also take you in a direction where you can take those um, negatives in that grief and turn that into positive empowerment. And that is where this journey of writing that chapter was about, Yeah. yeah
2: love how you said here in your intro, I'm just going to read that. You've said that um, you can now confidently compose yourself, speak bravely without fear or shame. And, of course, you've started your consultancy after that. But what I really wanted to just get some insights and, and share with you is how many of us, particularly as women, we hold ourselves back. And I've got you've got your little one in the background, your little one there. So that that's all right. Once we go live, we just go with the flow. But you know, kind of stepping through <laughs> that shame and uh, that fear, and, and I'm so glad you didn't allow that to hold you back. But what would you say to someone that may be listening, or even watching, or listening to the replay that still is stuck? In that fear and shame, what insight would you want to share with her to help her shift through that?
3: Feel it within yourselves to be brave enough to reach out to someone, even if it's, um, if it's, if you can't reach out to someone close to you, do reach out to someone in your professional space you just never know that person may um be able to help guide you in shedding light to directing you where there is um a pathway for you to seek the help that you require
2: Yeah, lovely, lovely. And so, Bernice, we'll continue on with uh, Dr. Caroline and we'll come back and we'll do a bit of, uh, you know, last insights as we share that um, after we've heard from others. So thank you for sharing that. It's just um, wonderful. So Dr. Caroline Taylor-Walker, your particular chapter was called A Dream of my own. You are an accomplished GP and the owner of and founder of two successful medical businesses in Torquay in Victoria, where you carry out your passion in the fields of skin cancer, aesthetics, and general practice. So share a little bit more, if you would, about what inspired you to, uh, to write your chapter.
1: Yeah, thanks, Amory. So, look, my story is really important to me and it was actually quite difficult to open up and be, um, uh, like tell people about it, to be honest. It's something that's really grounded and made me who I am. Um, uh, but it also really explains why I wanted to be a doctor and what made me the doctor that I am today. Um, I feel the story kind of opens up um, the honest truth really about growing up with a sister with a disability and also what um, women are sometimes exposed to within medicine um, and, and then explores my non-resilience really to difficulties that actually resulted in um, some mental health concerns with bulimia. Um, Look, as a doctor, I feel people come to me and they truly open up their um, secrets that often they might not tell other people, yet I never actually get to tell my story at all. So I just really hope this book would allow others to kind of not see me as a commodity and it would actually help open up patients and improve those doctor-patient relationships and also just hopefully inspire others when they're going through difficult times.
2: Mm. You, you mentioned that you know often in your practice you have women that open up to you and now of course you've got the ability to do the same and share your story something mm. that we discussed in the first um, you know chapter authors was that how many women uh, they do open up to someone and they just assume that they're the only ones really who are experiencing that, but how comforting it is for them to realise that they're not alone, that other people have gone through similar incidences um, and there are, you know, there are steps, there are ways that you can move forward getting support. Is that something that you've, you've found perhaps in your own life and maybe with the women that you've had the opportunity to speak with?
1: Oh, definitely. My job has actually been really um, inspiring in that way. Like I'm quite a lot of majority of people that I see are women um, and they all come in with such similar problems. I find it's actually a real eye opener. um, How many women are so low in self-esteem, low in self-confidence, are living in a world where they're very overwhelmed and taking on too much, striving to be perfect in absolutely everything they do and just feeling tired and that they're failing. And I have so many women that tell me that yet it's so difficult because I can't bring them all together in any way or I can't open up about my story either because I've got to be the kind of non-judgmental one looking after them so it's um yeah unbelievable how many women out there are feeling that way and I think the the journey through doing this book um has also you know brought more women in who are who are struggling with those exact problems as well and hopefully this book if other people read it other women read it they can Feel that they're not alone and actually a lot of these issues are normal um and maybe it's a result of our society today or a result of our own behaviors that we bring on those perspectives of who we have to be and somehow we have to kind of step back a little bit and remove some of those um targets that we set ourselves and expectations that we set ourselves and maybe you know be a little bit more simple I'm, really really for empowering women and progressing careers and being who we want to be in this world but no sometimes I think we take on too much we're trying to be everything and maybe we do need to reflect and step back and um, examine what we're doing and whether that is a positive move maybe we just need to be a bit more simple and and strive for happiness rather than perfection uh, on a superficial level yeah, I'm um, hoping COVID will do that.
2: It's been just down a it's bit. levelled the playing field somewhat, hasn't it? As yeah, yeah. Uh, We're all kind of, um, yeah, locked away in in our homes. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. We're going to go to Ludwina. So, Ludwina, your chapter is called Resilience, a well-oiled machine. You're the founder and CEO of The Room Exchange, an online marketplace that connects households with a spare bedroom with guests who provide an agreed amount of help in exchange for accommodation. So hosts and guests save money and help someone at the same time by using resources they already have, time and spare bedrooms. And as you say, it's a win-win and it's changing the way people live. So resilience, a well-oiled machine. Tell us what inspired you to share your chapter and your story in this chapter.
0: Yeah, thank you, Anne-Marie. Um, I made a decision in my chapter to uh, to talk about resilience from a personal and a professional perspective. I think right now with uh, COVID, resilience is um, you know, something that we're all really needing to bring forward. And um, sometimes it's really difficult to do that when you're kind of right in the midst of um, a great challenge like this. And so for me, I wanted to share something that would give insight on both sides so that in some way people could relate to either one or the other. So um, at the age of 44, I was diagnosed out of the blue with a 14 centimetre tumour on my left kidney. And it was at the peak of my business at the time. It was a major challenge. I, I liken it to be sort of walking across the road, life is great, and all of a sudden you get hit by a car. Um, It was a massive challenge for me to go through for the next three years physically with the um, the operations and the, the recovery of that physically. But then really it took probably about eight years to get my mind out of um, cancer brain, I called it. So I talk about the journey of that. And now being 10 years cancer-free, it's the first time really that I've spoken about it publicly in that way. But I do share about how I how resilience showed up in that moment, and then on the other side of it, I talk about the journey that I've been through in the last three years of founding and uh, growing and building the Room Exchange, because after being an entrepreneur for 25 years, this is really the um, this this is the most major um, project that I've taken on, and within that, from a business perspective, including raising capital and you know um, managing a team remotely to you know, to pivoting and moving through COVID, there's a lot of challenges that um, I've faced in that as well. So when I talk about resilience as a well-oiled machine, the process that I go through, which I share in greater detail in my chapter, is really about a conversation that I have with myself. Now, we we can all get stuck in what's called ruminating, which are negative self-talk or negative conversations. When I'm going through a challenging time, I go through a step of you know, one of the main things is what do I know for sure? So I break it down into steps to really get clarity around the things that I know for sure, the things that I have certainty and control over. And then the things that I don't, then I'm able to look at them more in bite-sized pieces as opposed to those things becoming the focus of the challenge that's right in front of me. And so I share that in a very personal way with my journey with cancer and how I did that from You know, one of the things I mentioned was that after I had my kidney removed, which was a radical nephrectomy, so the cancer and the the kidney was removed at the same time, that was a seven-hour surgery with four surgeons. I had to survive the the surgery first, and then the next step was the, the trauma that my body went through after that. So one of the things that I did is that I gave myself permission to not do anything for three months, just to do what I felt that I needed to do every day while I was recovering from that. And as Dr. Caroline so aptly put, is that sometimes as women, we can put so many things on ourselves that we have these expectations that we should be doing this and should be doing that and not resting and all those kinds of things. If you give yourself permission to be in the moment when you need to, and at this time it was my body physically healing, then um, it took that pressure off. So there's things like that that I share in there. And then from a business perspective, it's you know how I um, deal with sometimes challenging relationships or circumstances or. Um, just the things that pop up in business on a day-to-day basis and how I go through that process as well. Yeah,
2: wow, I love that. You know, um, I have not uh, thankfully had any experience such as you you have had, but I'm told from people who have, who've really had a, a challenging health situation that it puts a real perspective on life that even if you compare things like going through COVID and business, yes, it is. When yes, we need to build a resilience muscle. But when you are faced with, um, you know, with with something to do with your health, it just completely changes, and you realise what really is important to you. Was that something that you experienced as, as well? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, Ludwina.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting, and it's a question I was asked a lot. A lot about it at the time but I think the thing that's really anchored it for me and the, the times that we're living in right now really clarifies that or adds, you know adds more value to that is that life can just come and bite you on the backside in a heartbeat like you just we have no control in the bigger scheme of things we do on a sort of micro level in terms of things that are right in front of us but something can just come one day and just throw you for a loop COVID for example right and and it's what I've really learned from it. It's not the, the, the you know, the, the, the bad things that happen to you that determine who you are. It's how you deal with it. And we have this amazing inbuilt resilience in us. And if we can learn to summon it, which is a, a, which is what I write a lot, uh, I haven't used that word, but exac- that's exactly what it is that I write about. Mm-hmm. When those things happen, that's when we really show up. That's when... Um, you know, our ability to claim who we say that we are comes in. That's when, you know, the real us shows up. And that's what really, it's a reference point for me, and I talk about reference points a lot. Looking over at your life, what are the moments in your life where something really challenging happened and you just found the resilience to get up and move through it and move forward? So when something really challenging happens again in the future, you can look back over. So my reference point is I survived a cancer that was the size of my hand. So there's not really a whole lot that I can't do in my mind. If I could beat that, I can pretty much do anything. Yeah. Brilliant.
2: Brilliant. Thank you for for sharing that. Leanne, let's move on to you and talk about your chapter and then we can um, go back. We've got some time that we're able to kind of do a little bit of a round table. I'd love to ask Benice a couple more questions because I know that she had her little pup in the background barking there before. So Leanne, your chapter is called Regifting My Redundancy. Now the word gift and regift redundancy, not often heard of in the same sentence, but you are an experienced corporate communications professional who helps people in business communicate their ideas with confidence. You're an in-demand as a trainer and guest speaker on a range of umbrella and niche communication topics. Now you've collated some of this wisdom into your book, Chicken In, Ditch the Nerves and Pitch the Power, which offers more than 150 practical ideas for overcoming barriers to confident public speaking. So regifting your redundancy, tell us a little bit more about what inspired you. I'm a Assuming it was a redundancy.
4: Yes, Anne-Marie, it was. And that redundancy was back in 2013. Um, And I suppose the fact that I can, you know, I I still think about it often um, just goes to show how profound the experience was. And for me now, over the last few years, it's been more about, well, if it weren't for that redundancy, I wouldn't be running my business. I wouldn't be connecting with the people that I do. So for me, um, when I when I went to write, what was I going to write about? I actually wrote a list of all the things in my life that have challenged me. You know, right from when I was a child and having to to move states and schools and be the new girl at school and be teased and a whole lot of things that that have happened through my life. But the um, I think the Provide, talking about a redundancy was, was for me appropriate because this is a book for women in business, primarily being um, published by Business and Heal. So then I I looked at how did I survive that redundancy and what happened, how did, how did I do that? How did I manage to uh, get through it and go on? And um, I wanted to share what that what that experience was at the time that I was writing, I had no idea that COVID nineteen was was upon us, and that there would be all these people out there who are now in that same situation. They have uh, lost their jobs, and whenever I see people on LinkedIn saying that they've you know been made redundant, I like to send them a little note saying your job has been made redundant, not you. Because that's something that I had to come to grips with was it wasn't me, it was the job. there was a restructure, and uh, you know it, the job wasn't there anymore, but unfortunately, I had tied my identity to the job, so then I had to find a way to create a new identity, and that's what i what I feel that i I bring to the book is talking about that from that perspective of someone on the wrong side of 40, very wrong side of 40, uh, not being able to get a job and making my own job.
2: Mm. I love that, Leanne. And as you said, there's so many more people now who are experiencing that. And for you, the redundancy was... um, a kind of a foundation if you will to now of course uh, operating your consultancy now i would imagine that there probably were a lot of different emotions and feelings that you that you had to to to, to manage and so would there be something that you would go back and remind yourself of or would have liked to have said to that younger you that perhaps you think would be a really good insight to leave with others who may be watching or even listening to this replay who are in the midst of uh, the redundancy and are having their job be made redundant.
4: Would there be something you'd want to share with them? I think it's very similar to, to what my colleagues have already said, is that draw on your previous experiences because each time you had some a, a challenge and you summoned, I love that word, Ludwina, um, su- summon that ability to push through and survive and come out the other side. Um and, and and listening, when, let people help you, let people in. Um, when I first, you know, hung out my shingle and I let people know, a, a dear colleague wrote back to me and said, good on you, I hope it's going to be a rip-roaring success. And that's always stuck with me too is rip-roaring success. So when I try to have a, a measure and, I, and I'm, I think, you know, am I doing the right thing, am I following the right path? It, am I pursuing my rip roaring success? And I think it's helpful if you have some, you know, have some personal mantras, some motivational mantras that you can just call upon. That you know, for some people they're like an affirmation, for other people there are, you know, there are a saying, a cliched saying. And I think that there are times when our language can actually help us, and we can use our language to combat the negative self talk with some positive and
2: inspirational words. Mm, I love that. Thank you. Um, Bernice, I wanted to come back, circle back to you because uh, one of the things that I noticed that is written here in your bio, and I'm sure many women and maybe even some of the panellists today can relate to, is uh, that that you were experiencing many years ago, um, depression. Now, you know, for many people um, feeling depressed or really worried and anxious, sometimes we keep that to ourselves. We don't want to share that because for some reason reason we may feel shame that to to feel that um, whilst you know some others may be experiencing even more difficult situations but what was it for you that enabled you to to reach out to get that support because what I love now is that because you've done that you now um, love to advocate you love to network to spread kindness this is what you say copious amounts of positivity yet once in your life and whoops, she's um, been kicked off so I'll just keep coming I know she'll come back Um, but once in her life. She certainly experienced depression, which I know many people may be experiencing now, particularly if they've found themselves with their jobs being made uh, redundant. And here she comes back over to uh, Bernice. Let's bring her back into um, the live stream issues there's nothing like doing a show live so Bernice could you take us back what were some of the things that you did did you start to speak to people who were close to you to to kind of express that look I am you know struggling with with depression what what was that like for you what did you do
3: I sincerely sorry for keep dropping out um yes how that came to how that came to light with um, knowing that I actually was depressed—that I was going through excre- extreme grief, depression.
2: You there? Hello. Yeah, we're still here. We can hear you.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm. Um, yes, this lighting in here and and everything is is shocking today. It's. Um, yeah depression certainly creeps up on you and that was over 30 years of it that I'd built up inside me and um it came crashing down on me like a ton of bricks and how it came to light with actually acknowledging and recognizing um that I was going through deep depression and attempting suicide and um not even wanting to get out of my bed to to see the light is when my parents both fell very ill my my dad had been suffering um a debilitating illness um, kidney renal failure and then mum was diagnosed with breast cancer and the depression i was going through i was just extremely sad it was extreme grief depression um And from that, it was like uh, I'm making myself sad by continually self-sabotaging myself for the sadness that I'm going through. And although depression can eat away at you and cause other um, illnesses to, to arise, I had to find a way to dig myself out of it and it was... Even my children, my children couldn't save me even from that. But then there was something that I was able to see in myself that I have a purpose here. I can, I can get through this and I can live. And that's where, like I said, I can speak bravely about it today because it's a, a passion of mine to advocate strongly out there to Aboriginal women, Aboriginal younger women and men that when we bottle things up inside of us it, it it's not nice but when we talk about it and if we do are able to talk about it in a space where we can really release it and you're not alone through this fight so we have to keep fighting this fight together so that we can stamp out this type of mental illness that is not um it's not healthy. It simply isn't healthy. But yeah, we, we can get through it.
2: Yeah, I thank thank you for sharing that, and I love the things that you've reminded of. So important that we don't have to to go it alone. We need to reach out, surround ourselves with other people to support us, and having that conversation. And uh, how wonderful that you took that brave step, and now, of course, that uh, you're able to um, to speak hope, positivity uh, in the lives of of others. I think we often when we walk through our own journeys and have healing and and have these transformational stories, then you know, we, we need to share that with others who may be experiencing that as well. I'd love to just uh, tap in. So please feel free to, to jump in. We've got a few more minutes um, before we end this show. I think this is just a, such an important conversation. I think as women, no matter what age that we're at, no matter what stage in life that we're at or what experiences we've had, one of our worst enemies is often ourselves, our inner critic, the expectations that we put so high. As we know, as women, we often have different, um, you know, roles in life. We can be a mum, we can be an aunt, we can be a wife, a mother, a, a daughter, a, you know, business owners, business and heels, of course. And uh, we can often stretch ourselves too thin and, and never really be at a, a, a space where we do put boundaries. So I'd love to, to one of the panellists perhaps jump in. Is this something that you've experienced in your life? And if so, what are some insights that you want to share? Because I'm sure as women, we can all appreciate and, and have gone through that as well. So who would like to, to step forward and share some insights into that boundaries that's a good topic happy <yüzden laughs> i'll just share one quick tip maybe everybody else can we'll, well. we'll um we'll we'll go to you then too sure. Plaid, Do you want to share some insights
0: yeah i just i think the better that you know yourself um the more confident you are in that the clearer you can actually be in terms of your boundaries and expectations um, I think it's when we don't know ourselves that it's harder to know when to say no, um, but also, you know, know when to say yes. I think we can also miss out on a lot of opportunities uh, through fear. So the clearer that you are about who you are and what it is that you want, the easier, in my mind, it is to set boundaries.
2: Yeah, I love that. Leanne, did you want to add to that?
4: Boundaries. There's, um, there's a saying that I like is uh, we can have it all, just not all at once. And it's when we try to have it all at once that we can find ourselves in trouble and, um, but that, that we shouldn't stop wanting it and, and striving for it, but just to
2: pace ourselves and, and to be realistic. I love what you said and that I I just had a conversation on another podcast today. Actually, we were talking about different seasons. You know, so often we can look at other women and say, look what she's got doing and what career stage she's at. But we're in a very different season. We may have young children. And now, of course, in Victoria, uh, for many uh, women and and men, you know, families who've got younger school age children, not only are they business owner or career, but they're also now homeschooled teachers so i take my hat off to all of the the parents who are having to homeschool as well i'm sure that they've had to build their you know resilience muscles pretty quickly um, dr caroline i'd love to to just to check in with you and then what i'm going to do is do a bit of a, a go round again and share one last insight as we finish up the show i know you were saying that you spoke to a lot of women um you know in your in your practice as well one of the things that i found and we had this conversation with um the other panelists the other authors was how as women we often can take a lot on on board because one of the reasons is we find it very difficult to say no especially if it's to loved ones and we can just keep saying yes 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 to the point that you know we really do wear ourselves thin is this something that you've recognized through some of the patients perhaps you've or maybe yourself have experienced and and what insight can you share to help us to be able to To affirm if it's a no, so that we don't end up um, stretching too thin. Any insights you want to share?
1: Um, Look, I've experienced this both professionally and um, personally as well. It's very, very common that women definitely don't set their boundaries very well. I think the most important thing is to acknowledge why you're overstepping your boundaries. And a lot of women overstep their boundaries when they're. Doing things to make other people happy. Um, they don't want to let other people down, and they don't want to be seen as a failure. And they want to look like they're being accepted by others. And I think the most important thing is to understand why you're saying yes or no to anything. And those yes or no should be to to put you first and make sure that you're happy. And I think that's what we're quite bad at doing: is putting ourselves first. We givers. We like to make other people happy, but we've got to draw that back and, and put ourselves at the center.
2: Yeah, I love that. I mean, hands up those people who often put everybody else's needs above your own, although I must say I'm getting a lot better uh, at that. All right, so let's go around. So, Benice will we'll add you on. Your internet today has not been very friendly to you, but thank goodness we've had an opportunity. Oh, she's gone again too. uh Let's start off with Ludwina. What would be one last insight that you would want to close with today for people?
0: I'd say journal. It's something that I've been doing for years and I mention it in my chapter as well. Um, Just taking some time at the end of the day or even at the end of the week to reflect over what you've learned about yourself through the week, but also what you've achieved. And I have a page in my journal each week that's just for achievements and they're not necessarily big achievements. Sometimes they're the small things that collectively put together create a really big outcome for you. Um, But if we do that, I remind myself Every week I look over it and, and even though I might not have had something really big that's happened that week, there's been a whole lot of small things I can say, okay, it's been a productive week, I have achieved something there, but it also helps me to work through any challenges that I face up, helps me to add to that resilience um, muscle that we uh, that we talk about and to also just give ourselves a pat on the back um, in terms of, you know, what we actually have done. But it's just really about stopping and taking a moment to reflect.
2: Mm, I love the reminder of giving yourself a pat on your back how often we do that for our loved ones we you know congratulations that's really good but we forget we neglect to do it to ourselves and um, yeah I love that thank you what about you Leanne what would be one last insight that you would love to share and leave with people I think it's about focusing on what you can do rather than what
4: you can't do and there are things that that we can do that can fill us up and that's why I'm always promoting giving blood it's a simple cheap way to that you can give a little bit of yourself but also you know they they look after you at the blood bank and, and they they thank you and, and it's such a genuine gratitude that it fills up that resilience well so you know m- my suggestion is to look at what you can do rather than feel overwhelmed by what you can't
2: Isn't it interesting how uh, one small action uh, can make such an impact? And, of course, giving blood is a wonderful um, example because you could, well, you are for someone that's life-giving, isn't it? So, So, Dr. Caroline, let's hear one last insight from you.
1: Yeah, I think it's reaching out to others. A lot of, um, even still now with this conversation, a lot of it is like what I can do, empowering us, like making us resilient. But I think we really need to get community and get support surrounding us as well, because we can't really do things. We we do things as, we should be doing things as a team. Um, but the most important thing is to really train others how you want them to support you. I think we expect others to support us. And in our mind, we know what we want them to do, but they, they often don't know. And so we need to be open about what we potentially want how they can support us, what we maybe want them to say um, and, you know, training those support networks around us to be that good support that we need.
2: Yeah, that's so important and being able to have expressed that clearly so that people understand our needs and in a way that um, is conducive and, and productive. Often we are saying what we want in a the tension situation and a tense situation, so it often doesn't come across as something that can be empowering on both sides. So I love that uh, reminder there. Now Bernice is still not back, so um, she shared some wonderful insights too. I know that we can all take from today's show. You just don't know what happens with when you're live. That's it. You've just got to go with what the internet has done. But um, I've just so enjoyed speaking with each and every one of you. Of course, just a reminder: it's the business and heels book. It's raw um, and these are four well three at the moment of the incredible uh, chapter authors and uh, of course please go and grab a copy business and heels website is the best place please reach out to all of the the authors there we go there is a copy of the book there here's Benice that gives you an opportunity to wave goodbye to to Bernice too we're finishing up so it's good that you could pop in there uh, one more time but please connect with all of the authors And certainly go out and and grab a copy of the book, RAW. Bye for now, everyone. Thanks again for your time today. Bye. 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 Thank you, Henry.
3: Bye.